Welcome to Sober Solutions. We are a weekly recovery podcast, not affiliated with any particular 12-step or recovery program. However, you may hear us mention them. My name is Jason, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Chris, and I'm an alcoholic and addict. My name is Ben, I'm an alcoholic and addict. And welcome back to Sober Solutions Podcast. Tonight is episode 39. And before we start, I just want to say happy 2022, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year celebration. So tonight we're going to be talking about the shoulda, coulda, woulda, the what ifs, the regret, talking about living in the past. And you know, for me, getting a case of those what ifs in recovery is really about me being stuck in the past. So Chris, why don't you get us kicked off tonight? Yeah, I think we had this uh, topic because last episode we were talking about how we shouldn't talk about the shoulda, woulda, couldas. And after the episode, we were actually just going on and on about, you know, different scenarios about what the what ifs. Um, You know, I definitely think about it. I also think it restricts your progress if you think about it too much. you can, there is nothing we can do to go back in time. Um, You know, there's a difference between learning and reflecting and ruminating on the past and, you know, saying, oh, if I did this, if, you know, if XYZ happened, then I'd be here because really that just sets you back. You know, we've had a bunch of people get sober and we've watched people, even on this episode, Quint, you know, He's been sober for many years. And some people, like uh, one of our guests, Alan, he got sober at 55, or sorry, 50. You know, for him, he can't sit there and say, well, I should have got sober at 20. But he did, you know, he got sober, and that's an amazing thing. Uh, Myself, you know, I've been going at this for five years, and I'm sure that my life would be a lot different right now but really, if I sit back and I reflect, it doesn't have any positive outcomes reflecting on, you know, thinking about that past. So what are some of the what ifs that you still have in recovery? You know, I, I know when I'm thinking about that, it's like, what if I got sober back when I first started this journey? You know, I, I was thinking about this recently when I would see a, friends from New York having eight, nine, 10 years of continuous sobriety. And it would just throw me into that. What if that happened for me when it was supposed to, Um, you know, do you have any other of those regrets in your life as it relates to recovery? I think I'd be lying if I said, I don't regret not getting sober the first time. Um, If, if I got sober the first time, I'd be better off financially. If I got sober the first time, my marriage would be in a much better state than it is. And if I got sober the first time, I'd be celebrating five or six years. Uh, I'd be, you know, in a much uh, more stable mental state, I would say, hopefully. Um, I really, really try not to sit and think about that all the time. I think the biggest regret that I have is, and it's it's hard to even say it's a regret because when I went to rehab the first time, I just wasn't ready to do it. 
And I, although I, I do wish I was ready, I was just not ready. So sitting back right now, I'm almost forcing myself to uh, regret not being ready. So I think, I think it's hard for me, but to answer your question, it really revolves around relationships and finances. Um, and even more so if I dig deeper around just the person that I become in this last year, it would be amazing to see how much I've grown in five years. So what are some of the things that you do to get unstuck from that place of feeling those what ifs or that regret? I talk to people, uh, try to stay present. I think that's the biggest thing I do is, you know, if I sit there with my own thoughts, my mind can go in a million different places. When that starts happening, I usually call people. That you actually start, you know, usually happens when I'm driving. Uh, and that's when I call people constantly. So, you know, I rotate with you guys. I have a list of probably 20 other people in the sober community that I call and just staying present and even just listening to their lives. It really keeps me out of that mental state. So Ben, how about you? Do you have any what ifs or regrets? Um, no, none at all. This has been perfect and everything's gone just the way I planned. Insert some sort of sarcastic emoji here. Um, you know, when you opened up, I was kind of, I wasn't thrown off, but it I was like, you know, doesn't this fly in the face of, you know, I've, I mean, Jason, I've heard you say this a thousand times. It's taken, it took every drink and every, you know, drug that it took to get here. So, you know, when, you know, and, and there've been, you know, every room that you've been in, um, you know, you hear somebody going, you know, I wish I got it then. I wish I got it then. I wish I got it then. You know, so I, I kind of, you know, I, I, you know, if we're being honest, like, you know, I, I appreciate what Chris said that you, it's kind of hard to not have regrets, right? It, it, it's, it, it's, uh, I, you know, it's funny. I, I do have regrets, but I don't because I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if getting it like early on, like when, if, when my ex-wife like called me out, like two years into my drinking, I don't know if I had gotten it then. Like, I don't, I don't know if I would have turned to the rooms. I don't know if I would have, no, I know I wouldn't have turned to, to the rooms, you know, because I still would have been in that state of like, I can control this. Like, I've got a handle on this. So like, it really goes to that. Like I needed to hit a rock bottom where I had to turn to someone, something else, something bigger than myself. Um, you know, so you know, the, the, the what ifs are, uh, they're, they're a dangerous thing. You know, the what ifs are a very dangerous thing. If, if I spend a lot of time, like, you know, to, to echo Chris's point, if I spend a lot of time in my head, um, I could really just lose myself in a lot of thought, which is not a very good thing if I'm not, you know, thinking on a, 
in, in if I don't have, if I'm not in the right frame of mind, you know, so there's a, you know, th that's, it's just kind of a, you know, aimless, just rambling, incessant, just, oh, it's a dark place. It's a dark place when, when, when you're letting your mind wander and you don't really have a direction to go. Um, and so, and that's really where like what ifs and regrets, um, you know, come into, come into play for me, like f in terms of finding recovery. Well, I think you said two important things, you know, being up in our head is as a, as I've heard in the rooms is the most dangerous neighborhood for us as alcoholics and addicts, you know, because when we're stuck up there, we're not living out here in the real world. You know, we're always constantly in our thoughts and that's either, you know, in the past, in the future, or, you know, just stuck, really stuck. And the other thing you said was, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened if. And I think that's a really important point because we just don't know. You know, it's it's as clear as that. And I know when I think about, you know, the, the past, the the next thing that I think of is I can't change it. So what does it matter? You know, but what do you do to get unstuck uh, from those what ifs or, or living in that regret? Um, a lot of therapy. Therapy is just a, um, it's just the, like probably the most important thing overall. And it's, there's definitely a balance, um, you know, between the rooms and your network and, and, and therapy and, you know, and, and so for me to make sure that I don't get stuck, I make sure that I have enough outlets where I can talk to certain people because there's, there's a lot going on up here. There's a whole mess of shit going on between my ears and, if it has to do with a drink or it has to do with, um, you know, living, you know, living the right way and doing the next right thing, I, I can take that to the room. If it's a personal struggle, I can take that to the network. If it's a overall behavioral change, the thing that I, I want, I want to, you know, I can identify and I can, or I can, or if I don't identify, I, I can work with somebody who can help me identify it and then change that, um, change that behavior. Um, that, that's really the, the thing that it helps me not get stuck because it's really simple to, um, you know, I think we, I think we're going to belabor this point, but you know, our, our own thinking got us in this spot. So there's no reason for me to believe that my own thinking could get me out of the spot. So do you think that if you could go back and, and tell yourself something when you were younger, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's not realistic, it's not possible. Um, you know, what would that be? What would you tell your younger self? Oh, man. Tell my younger self. You know, I, when I when I think of my younger self, I don't think of my younger self at, at 26 when I started drinking or 24 when I got married or or even like, you know, 
18, 19 when I was screwing around in, in community college. Like I, like I would go back to that eight year old kid and just tell him it, you, you don't have to be afraid. Like you don't have to be afraid of, of the world, of your surroundings, of, of people, you know, cause that's really what, what drove that fear is just the cornerstone of my deficiencies. It, you know, it, fear of consequences, fear of disappointing people, fear, just fear, just fear of, of reality and the truth, um, fear of, of rejection, you know, all of these things motivated me in one way or another. And it started when I was a young kid. Um, and it still happens to this day. And so, it, I mean, it's, I literally got off a, 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 a call with my therapist at 7.30 and, and we, were, we were talking about this. Like, you know, there's just a lot more room to love yourself than you give it credit, than, than, than you might know. And, you know, I don't know if that's because I don't know what loving myself is, or if I haven't let go of my past or, or what it is, but you know, it's, a, it's a lot easier to focus on other people. Cause if I'm focusing on other people, then I don't have to worry about my, my hangups, my deficiencies, my fear. I can just focus on other people and that's where I'll spend my emotional capital. Um, because the thing is, is that if I identify fear, if I identify something that I don't like about myself, then I feel there's, there is also that need to fix things. I think that's like a human thing. I don't think that's a, like a personality thing. Like if you see something wrong, you know, there's, I think more oftentimes than not a desire to fix it or change it or to make it better. But if you're talking about something within yourself, you know, the, the other side of your head's going, holy shit, that's a lot of work, man. You know how long we're going to have to, we're going to have to work to do that. And the amount of thinking and talking and feeling and expressing and emoting and, and that's just, that's too much work. But yeah, if I, if I could go back, I, w- I would go tell the, the eight-year-old kid, you know, in, 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 in grade school that you don't have to be afraid, dude. I, I think that's um, very relatable, very, very relatable, you know, and along the same lines, I think I would tell my younger self, don't be afraid to be your authentic self, you know, because I spent so much of my life trying to people please and fit in. And what that created was this, this um, fake persona of who Jason was. And so it took me a a long time to find out who my real authentic self was. And now I get to live in that. And my life is so much better, coupled with sobriety, you know, but to to have to hide myself or not be my true authentic self was probably the hardest thing for me. Do you find yourself like having, you know, been in that, um, protective state, if you will, if you, do you find that like having to try to, sh- you know, shoehorn yourself into this narrative or this mold, you know, 
do you find your that that like that stays with you because you know i i i keep having these like th- like this just this idea that of like reverting I, I feel like i revert back to my old behaviors because that's where i was comfortable like that's where like that those were my formative years and like even though like it wasn't the greatest it still like got me through and so like you know and it's and especially for you know you know for you like you know especially you know being you know closeted for however long you you had been closeted and like do you do you find yourself like trying to just or not do you find yourself trying to but do do you see those tendencies still pop up sometimes um because you're right it is that comfortable space um and it's easier for me to fit into the crowd that I'm with than to not. Um, But what I'm noticing is that I catch myself a lot faster. And I'm like, that's not who you are anymore. And I get to go back to being who I really am. And it's not just about being gay or anything like that. It's really any any aspect of my life. Um, The other thing that I, I notice is that I am like either zero or 60. You know, it's either reverting back to that comfortable style or fuck everybody and everything. And I'm going to be who I am, how I want to be. And I don't give a goddamn about what you think. And that's not good either, you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, pushing it as opposed to being authentic. So in, in either case, it's not who I authentically am, but really just another persona that I, I put on. I really like that question. Um, Jason, before I even answer, what what would you tell your former self? Well, I I think I said it earlier, you know, I I would tell myself not to be afraid to be authentic, you know, not always try and fit in with the crowd or try to please the person that I'm with or, you know, just give away a piece of myself so that I have some sort of connection. Because, you know, I'm not everybody's type. I'm not everybody's favorite person. And that's okay. But what I was trying so hard to be was that. I was trying to be everybody's type and everybody's friend and everybody's this and everybody's that. And I was I was deteriorating inside. And it took me a lot of work through recovery. You know, first I had to get sober to find myself. But then it took me a lot of work to, you know, dust off all of those years of shame and guilt and regret and false personas. And, you know, this is what you should be. And this is what you could have been. And, you know, all of that kind of stuff to find who I am today. Um, So I think, you know, my message to myself would be, it's okay to be you. Yeah, Ben talked about fear being, you know, the cornerstone of really all our personalities. And I I definitely agree with that. Um, I can relate to that, as you know, you both said, you know, my fears might be a little different than yours. But that definitely was the cornerstone a lot of of a lot of me becoming this kind of like you said, a chameleon, you know, I would mold to the crowds that I was with. And you know, you guys both said it, but I would as well tell my former self to be authentic. Um, don't be fake. 
you know, chase your passions. Because I think through my life, I, with those fears, started chasing passions that weren't truly mine, uh, whether it was financially based or just to be cool or to whatever. I mean, I remember I used to love playing the trumpet. I was really good at, I was in the jazz band and I really, yeah. And I gave it up because I was playing sports and you had to, you had to be in the marching band in order to be in jazz band. And I was like, I will not be, I will not be seen in that outfit because I'll get made fun. I just remember this like vividly. And I even tried going to the principal, like going around it didn't matter. So I gave it up, never played again. And like, those are the things that I would change. So you know, when you guys were talking about being authentic and chasing your passions and not being fake, I was definitely relating to that. So Chris, that actually ties perfectly into the next question that I had for you guys is, you know, what are you still holding on to? Um, that's obviously a, a memory of yours that you're still holding on to. Um, but is there anything else that you're still holding on to from the past that either you can't let go or you won't let go you know i i think there's some of the things in my current present moment that i'm afraid to let go of because i feel like it's gonna diminish me in some way is there anything like that for you i had a lot of really close friends and you know through recovery i learned that our friendship a lot of our friendships were based around drinking or I mean I don't even want to say drugging but towards the end it was that but we we started really developing friendships around drinking and partying and being down the shore but I I really don't want to say oh those weren't true friendships because that just diminishes like 15 years of my life and I really do care about those people and it's okay to still care about them but they're also not in my life right now um I, it's really hard for me because I, I went from in high school and college to having this giant group of friends. Like my wedding party was 13 people. It, it was huge. I had multiple best men. Like at the time, I just couldn't even pick a best man. And now I don't talk to, I think I talked to two of them and one of them is my cousin, you know, and that was because of what I went through. It's because of multiple stints at rehab. It's through using. It's through, you know, a couple of them reached out during the first time at rehab. Uh, you know, I still hung out. Obviously, I wasn't drinking. So, you know, these friendships started to fade. And I wasn't drugging, so these friendships started to fade. And now it's just a completely different group of friends which I would say are more based around my current lifestyle. So that's definitely something I hold on to. It really stings a little that I don't see some of my old best friends, but it's hard to kind of let go of that and just not think about it. Yeah, I, I can relate to that a lot. You know, um, I, I don't think I talk about this a lot, but, you know, I've mentioned it on the show and and you guys know this, I'm adopted. And one of the things that has been hard for me is letting go of relationships, whether that be uh, romantic relationships, whether that be friendships, because still somewhere in the back of my mind is if you let this person go, you're going to be alone. 
And I think that has something to do with my adoption. You know, I, I still have this front of, you know, I, I did grow up in a very privileged household. I was, I'm very loved by my father. I was very loved by my mother. Um, you know, I never wanted for anything. And yet I still cling to other people because I have this fear that if they leave, they'll never come back. And it's completely subconscious because I was an infant when I was adopted. And so, you know, it's it's not something that I actively think about. But when we have conversations like this, that's one of the first thoughts that I have is, is my attachment and even, you know, to a degree, codependence, a byproduct of my adoption. You know, so it's it's definitely something that, you know, in in this new year, I'm going to really explore um, because I think it's an area that I just haven't, you know, in, in my recovery. Um, I tried to do it when I was when I was still actively using and inevitably it would get too tough and I'd run back to a bottle or a bag. And now that I have time under my belt enough to still be young in my recovery, but mature enough in being able to take those difficult steps, I think that this is finally something that I'm I'm ready to face. Ben, how about you? Is there anything that you're still holding on or or just won't let go? Oh God. How much how much more time do we have? Um you know it it, it ties back into that fear of you know, just like, am I good enough? You know, like, well, like, why, why am I not good enough? You know, like, that's a really big thing for me. Um, you know, why wasn't I good enough to not, you know, get picked last in gym class? Why wasn't I good enough to, you know, understand, you know, school and the importance of grades and all that shit? Um, you know, why wasn't I good enough to, to figure out my marriage? Um, yeah, it, it's, it's just, I, it, it's a, a, I don't want to say self, Self-loathing is not the right word, but the, it's just this idea of, of, you know, how JC, you're saying your fear was of, of relationships and people going away. I, I never experienced, you know, that type of disconnect or loss that, that you have, but, but my, my fear is that I'm just not going to be good enough, you know? And even the stuff that I really wanted to do, I really wanted to be a dad. Um, and I got the chance with my, my two daughters and wasn't, wasn't even good enough to stay, stay in that, you know? And, and so, yeah, it's, it's just this, you know, it's this, this very difficult, I guess it is self-loathing because it, it's just at what point um, at what at what point 
will it be good enough? You know, and I feel like that's kind of this, um, you know what? And that really is the, the, the cornerstone of what I'm holding on to. I'm holding on to what everybody else thinks, what everybody else feels and what, how everybody else reacts. And, and it's a very difficult thing to be consumed by that because it's a need for validation. Like I want to, I just want to be liked. I just want people to not be upset with me. I, I just want people to, you know, not look at me and go, ah, what the hell is that guy doing? I think it's more real quick. I think it's more what you think everyone thinks. It's not right. really what everyone thinks. Cause you just right. said, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's me projecting that out into the world and projecting that on other people. Um, and like, Jason, you were saying that zero to 60, which, by the way, your speedometer only goes to 60. You really are old. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That's so true. If, if, like 100 or 120, that'd be a really out of control speedometer. I'm, I'm a crystal meth addict. It definitely <laughs> hit 120 at one point. <laughs> but... But yeah, no, it's it's that that same thing where I'm not like I'm projecting the very worst case scenario of people's thoughts of me. And it's because I've just got this inner like idea that just not really, you know, I'm not up to people's standards for for some reason. And and that's one of the things, you know, tying back into what we were talking about before about how you not get stuck. Like That's some, one of the things that I that I've brought to my therapist today and we've been working on it for a couple of weeks and and you know she's just kind of impressed upon me like there needs to be this this self-appreciation because if everybody else in the world was, was happy around me what would then would that truly make me happy and the answer is no because then i would just look around at a bunch of people that are happy and go geez i wish i i wish i had what they had so you, so do you that, do that in recovery? Do you, do you see people around you that have either less time, same time, more time that are happy? Because, you know, this is very enlightening for me because I, I didn't know that you still struggle with this or, or I guess one of my questions is like, are you hanging on to this for a reason, you know, or is it just something that's sitting with you? But do you see other people in recovery that are that happy that you were just describing and compare yourself to that or like, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think, well, one of the things that definitely knocks me, knocks me down is when we get on these podcasts and you tell me that my hair is never going to be as nice as yours. That's just never, never been. Right. Sorry. That's just, so once a week, I'm just guaranteed to be crushed back into the ground. <laughs> Keeping your ego in check. <laughs> you know, what's funny when you bring up other people in recovery, like, I look at guys that like have 25, 30, 35 years and they struggle and share the same things that we talk about here and what we've talked about in rehab. So like, it's, it's funny. Cause like, like, yeah, like even getting time, wouldn't make me happy. Like it really is like the people that I, that I see in recovery that are the happiest are people that are content with themselves. They're just, they, they, they love everything that they have going on and they appreciate the moment and they can stay completely present. And, and those are the things that I, I need to focus on. 
Um, but you know, that's a, that's a great question. I had not really thought of it in 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 those terms. But but yeah, I think the first thing was more of the you know the grass is always greener. Uh, you talked about the people with twenty five years, thirty years, uh, sharing about the same things and sharing their struggles. I think that's more the reality. And the, you know, when you're talking about how some people are always happy and this and life's perfect, I think that's them not being honest. If you're sitting there every day, you know, saying how everything's perfect, especially in an AA meeting, yeah. you're, you're kind of full of shit. Well, there's right. no such thing as perfect, so right. you're absolutely right. It's it's like Instagram, right? Like if you go on Instagram and feel bad about yourself, you need a reality check because yeah. Instagram is not reality. And I know we talked about this once, and I don't want to go to deep dive of social media, but it's life is like that too, right? And I think we have to learn something from the 25, 30 year old person that is sober for that long that shares about their struggles because guess what them sharing that for 25 30 years keeps them sober yeah and you know on the flip side to that is the individual who has 60 days sober and is just you know full of life and able to share their struggle and you know that that conscious mind of of being in the present day you know i i think there's a lot of learning that both the old timer and the newcomer can give each other in, in terms of recovery. Do you, this is going to sound weird. Do you, do you miss that early recovery? Oh, that's a good question. Do I 100%. miss that early recovery? Uh, you know, I'm so, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm so conflicted by it because I miss being on the pink cloud. I, I really do. I miss when everything was just, was just, unbelievably eye-opening and refreshing and and you know to your point the person with 60 days where they can come in and i understand why the, the newcomer is the most important person in the room i didn't understand it when when people say that about me or us and 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 now i get it because they are a shot of light they are like they you physically watch the fog get lifted from them and you know it's really that 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 next part you know if you, you when you guys before, what would you tell your younger self? What, what I would tell my, myself of like nine months ago was that like when this pink cloud goes away, it's not going to be nearly as bad as you think. It's not going to be as great as you think. Like it's not going to stay as good, but it's not going to be nearly as bad as you think. I agree with that. Um, I, I think that's anytime you start something new right? You, you start a journey in recovery, you start a new job, you start a new relationship, every, everything has a honeymoon phase. And on the flip side to that, I think that every day can have a shot of life. I try to do that. And I, I do that through a gratitude list. I know that every morning before I get out of bed, I am listing at least 10 things that I'm grateful for from the previous day. And so after I get out of bed, I am searching for things to be grateful for and to be happy about. And I look for that shot of life because that's what I'm choosing in, in my day to day. You know, I'm, I'm looking to be that. Perfect example is today. 
today has been just a, a tough day. I've been working since seven o'clock this morning. I just I just finished at at uh, eight thirty, I think, right before we got on here. Um, you know, some things didn't go my way. Traffic was bad. The the car had uh, low tire pressure because of the change in the weather. But I was able to find that joy, and and that's what I actively look for. I, I look for that those joys in my life, which bring me back to that pink cloud feeling. You know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's never going to be like that again. And if I'm honest, it was never like that when I was when I was first getting sober because I had so many questions. I still wasn't feeling great, and like you know, it, it wasn't as good even back then. But I consciously look to keep that positive attitude um, in my day to to keep me going. And and it's authentic, too. It's not like this fake it till I make it kind of stuff anymore, um, because there were days like I, I, I had like that in early recovery. And now it's real authentic joy and I get to experience things better. You know, I get to experience joy at a new level. I get to experience pain and anger at a different level. I get to experience things in a totally new way being sober. Yeah, the beginning of sobriety, I do miss it. I, I could I could wholeheartedly say I do. I you know, and I think it's because of exactly what you're saying. You go through this honeymoon phase, and when in my early sobriety, the three or four times that I had it you you learn so much you're uh you're so engaged or i was engaged um in my life revolved around that fast forward you know six months eight months a year of sobriety life happens and you know not that your priorities change because i i think just new priorities emerge that equal the other ones so you know, whereas in the beginning, I would spend six hours in IOP a day. And prior to that, I was making a gratitude list. And prior to that, I was reading and doing yoga. So my whole day revolved around recovery. And it's very easy to be enlightened when your whole day is around recovery. Yeah, but when you were <laughs> sitting in IOP for six hours, were you on a pink cloud? Were you happy those six hours? I loved I honestly loved IOP. I had such a good therapist. And Honestly, the my I would say 80% of my support system is from that class of people. Um, we were the quote unquote later class and they were they were people that I am friends with today. You know, I'm going to dinner with one of them next week. Uh, I just talked to one of them for about two hours before this podcast. I am very close with those guys. I would say equally as close as I am with you guys. So, so when, when you had that before, is it because those things like hanging out with those guys, focusing on your recovery, doing yoga, do, going to the gym, did those become less important to you? Did you deprioritize that so that other things could come into your life? And do you think that your life would change back to that if you put those things back into it? You know, a good uh, exercise our therapist made us do was we had, um, I think it was like 20 ping pong balls, and then we had 10 buckets, 
and I know I've said this before in the past, but you put the ping pong balls in whatever your priority priorities are. You know, one of the buckets is like family. One of them is, uh, you know, uh, relationships. One is your work. One is uh, your social life, yada, yada, yada. And I think everyone during this exercise had one ping pong ball in recovery. You know, the end goal was you need recovery for all the other things. But I think your priorities just change. And it's, it's because of recovery, because of my sobriety, I am able to be a better father. I am able to keep a job. But, you know, and I know there's the excuse of I don't have time, but I only have a certain amount of time a day. And right now, my life doesn't have enough time to go to the gym, to do yoga, to read, to, you know, it doesn't have enough time for that and to be a father and to help my wife and to cook and to have a job. So, would I love to be able to do yoga, go to the gym, do all that? A hundred percent. And I think I would truly be happy, but I think the things around me would start to fall apart in other ways. Ben, how about you? You, you talked about losing that, that pink cloud sensation. What is it that you could put back into your life that would get you back into that feeling that you had before the ignorance of not knowing that life really isn't all about me. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, when you know, speaking for, for myself, myself specifically, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to rehab for like two, two and a half, three weeks. Um, and everything was, you know, taken care of at home. And there was, you know, I was able to come back. And even though I didn't go home, I was able to, you know, I, I, I lived at my parents' house. And, you know, there, they supported me just a billion percent. And I was able to not, my work wasn't affected. Um, and I, I was able to, you know, Chris, like you said, like, dive into all those things that we found at like rehab or, you know, along our journey of recovery of like, just enlightenment, you know, reading as much as possible. And, um, you know, and just kind of getting this, this mindset of like, just this new outlook on life. Um, and so for me, yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Chris, that there's only so much time in the day. I just, I feel like I know I could do a better job of prioritizing it. Um, and, and, and I, I, I just wish that, I, I wish that I prioritized, you know, working out again and, and, and meditating and, and reading as much as possible, you know, even, you know, you know, I, I still hit my morning meeting every day. I just, I don't share the way I used to, um, you know, because it's, you know, I, I, I probably because I overthink it. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, you know, but I, but, but early on, I thought that like, like, because it was this big 
revelation to me. It was like, oh, wow, let me share this experience with everybody. And I come to find out that this is just another normal experience in sobriety and recovery of just like, you know, finding, you know, finding that there is an easier way to deal with your, your issues and, you know, not drown them out. But yeah, I, I mean, as much as I do enjoy uh, you know, looking back on those times, I, I, I don't miss, um, I don't miss the, the roller coaster of emotions. It's a, it's a, a whole lot nicer, you know, when we're on this, this ride and you pass an emotion, you, I can, I can see it and I can experience it and I can take it for what it is. And then I can, you know, move along, which, yeah, it doesn't have a pink cloud, but it's, it's not that bad. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm, I'm glad it happened, but I am, I definitely don't miss the reason that I was there. So I, I, you know, I think that's where I fall. Um, it, it was definitely a necessity in my life at the time. And I'm thankful that I met the people I met and I experienced what I experienced, but I hope I don't go back. Absolutely agreed. Absolutely agreed. And I think that life is all about choices and we get to choose how we live today. And that determines how quickly we can move away from our past and being able to drop the rock and really let go of those things that are holding us back. Well, great episode tonight, guys. It's good to see you after the new year. And as always, each and every single of our episodes is dedicated to the still sick and suffering addict and alcoholic, especially the individual who's going to pick up for the first time tonight. Have a great night, guys. Have a great night. Have a great night. We appreciate your liking and subscribing to our podcast. If you liked what you heard today and would like to support our podcast, feel free to Venmo a dollar to our virtual basket at Sober Solutions Podcast. We want to hear from you too. If you have a comment, question, topic, or would like to come on the show, find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Sober Solutions Podcast. Or you can shoot us an email to SoberSolutionsPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show.